Well, good morning, man. It is so great to be with you. I was out last week on a family vacation with my side of the family and uh, missed church, and I just got to tell you, it's awesome, awesome to worship with you. I missed that. Just one week, I'm like, oh, so glad to be uh, back. If you're new, we're in a series called The Art of Family, and we're talking about parenting, and if you haven't uh, heard some of it or you missed some of it, you can go back and check it out on awakeningchurch.com. We're bringing in some amazing communicators and want you to hear them. Next week, my dad will be here, which we're really, I'm thrilled about, and so you don't want to miss that, and he's, I asked him to teach my favorite um, message uh, that he's ever done on parenting, about five smooth stones, so don't want to miss that, Uh, but before we dive in this morning, just want to say happy Father's Day. Do we have any dads here? Any happy dads here? (laughs) We, one? Come on, help, help me out. I know we have some dads, but maybe you're not. One over here, one over there. We got a few. I know we're a young church. If you're, if you're, um, if you're a dad, uh, we do have something for you right here. This is uh, incredible uh, homemade barbecue sauce that uh, I had this last week. It was fantastic. And then a rub that goes with it. So you can pick that up on the way out. We just want to honor you. Thank you for being here. Uh, but I kind of thought it was funny because I feel like Father's Day, and, and, and no, this just may be me, kind of feel like Father's Day is the forgotten holiday. You know, Mother's Day we, we go big for, but then Father's Day is just like, yeah, you know. I mean, they can't even put it in a month that's good for dads, you know, because I mean, it would be great if there was some great sporting event, at least from my perspective, that was going on, but like all sports have ended, <laughs> you know, except for baseball, but um, I know that's a sport, but it's not, um, sorry, sorry, but here's what's interesting. I, I just found this funny. I, I just found this funny, uh, but did you know that Father's Day officially became a national holiday in 1972, 58 years after Mother's Day became an official holiday? <laughs> Like, okay, we're, we're a little behind. Like, Mother's Day was, you know, uh, brought in by uh, Woodrow Wilson. It's like, all right. Father's Day was signed into uh, uh, by Richard Nixon. <laughs> like, great. All right. That's, that's our heritage. <laughs> all right. But we celebrate today and this morning dads. And I think so oftentimes, whether it's in the media, and we're talking about sitcoms, dads earlier, dads get a bit of a bad rap. And sometimes, sometimes Father's Day in church world, I was just talking to one friend before the service, she was saying, so often it feels like Father's Day is the like man up message, you know, like, hey, men, step up, man up, it's time to be a real dad, you know, and you kind of walk out going, I'm not a real dad, you know. <laughs> Oh boy. And, and I hope, I hope today is just encouraging. Whether you're a dad or not, I, I hope that it just, uh, we blow wind into your sail. Uh, we're doing something a little different. The last few weeks have been like drinking water from a fire hydrant, lots and lots of information. Uh, to, today, I'm actually going to have like the full spectrum of fatherhood up here. I'm going to interview them a little bit, and then I'm just going to simply share a few things I've learned in my short time. I've been a dad just under 11 years right now, so just my short time of being a dad. But before we dive into that, one thing I just want to say to dads, and then we'll bring up our, uh, our panel of dads, if you will, 
is, is something so simple, and yet I, I think we need to be reminded of it. Uh, dads in this room matter. I, I know you may go like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Dads, you matter way more than you know. And so oftentimes we feel the pressure to be a perfect parent. We feel the pressure that if we don't do everything right, then it's going to all go wrong. And I just would just take some of the pressure off. In the last couple of weeks, I've done a bunch of study on fatherhood and a lot of research. And what's interesting is, you know, the happy uh, Father's Day was instituted in 1972. Starting around that time and moving forward, there's been extensive research uh, that's been going on about the impact of a father in the home and the impact it has on kids. And massive studies, multiple ones, have all come to these same conclusions, that the presence of a dad in the home with their kids has a massive impact. I mean, just it goes from these areas, from their social development to their peer relationships to to their educational, uh, how far they go educationally to uh, whether there's uh, delinquency, teenage delinquency, teenage pregnancy, crime, all those things. The number one common denominator is uh, that they found is the presence or absence of a dad. So I just want to start off with, you mattered this morning. You're important. And by the way, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to be present. And that's just simply the call. And we're going to talk about dads and just more devotionally this morning. But, but just take this breath of like, hey, you know what? God made you and God placed you as a dad, and you matter. And sometimes you get in the throes of, what, what do I do here? He says, your presence matters and has an incredible impact. I'm going to bring up uh, Dave, John, and um, Andre. Would you welcome them as they, they come up? And, and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. And here's what's fun. As they introduce, what you'll see is we have the full spectrum of fatherhood. And so Dave, if you'll introduce yourself, how long you've been married, how many kids, how long you've been a dad. Um, Yeah. My name is Dave. I've been married for almost three years now. It'll be three years in August. And I've been a father for a whole two months. So I have a lot of wisdom, so pay attention. Um, No, but it has been just tons of fun. Uh, yeah, hi, my name's uh, Andre. Um, I've been married, gee, how many years is it? You're 23, 24, I think? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not me. starting well, Andre. Yeah, I know, no. You didn't prepare us for that, uh, Sorry. Give us that question ahead of time. I, I, I thought it was so, a softball, <laughs> but. Uh. <laughs> and I, I've been a father for yeah, over 18 years, yeah, um, nearly 19. So, yeah, I've got three, uh, three teenagers, a 13, 16, and 18 year old, so. In the, uh, in the thick of battle, but uh, yeah, anyway. And I'm John Obermeyer, and I've been married 32 years. I have two grown children, two daughters, um, and I've been a grandfather just as long as Dave's been a father. <laughs> so they're connected. I just didn't... <laughs> so that, that's what's kind of fun for me, too, is getting to see this is son-in-law, 
grandson, all grandfather, all that sort of stuff. Well, thank you guys for being here. Thanks for being willing to get up front and on Father's Day to serve us as dads is awesome. Uh, and I just thought it would be fun from seeing the full spectrum of two months to now having a grandson of just talking about perspectives along the way. And I just, I asked him a few questions a couple weeks ago just to be thinking about, and I might throw a curveball in there, Andre, so uh, from time to time, so uh, we'll see. Uh, but I just want to ask you a few questions across the spectrum of, uh, of what you learned about being a father. And so the first question is just, what's one of the greatest lessons maybe you're currently or presently learning or that you learned as a dad, as a father? Well, what I noticed first when I came up last service was that preparation. Everybody has notes, except for this guy. I have a microphone. So the preparation <laughs> and to get ready for fatherhood is what do you, you know, how do you prepare? And so I started thinking along those lines. And so I didn't want to necessarily talk to the dads. I want to talk to you future dads, uh, whether you're single, whether you're uh, dating, whether you're married. If you're striving for a family, if that is your goal, this is what I I want to talk to you guys. Um, get, get your life straight with Jesus. Push everything that's distracting you out of the way and um, draw close to your heavenly father. Uh, that was the biggest lesson I think I've learned. Uh, just as I hold my son and I think back on my life is when I drew close to him is when... I learned the most about myself and who I was and what I had to offer. Um, my son stuck with me. He has no choice. <laughs> we have a choice whether or not we want to draw close to our Heavenly Father. And when he feels like he's far away, you've got to reflect back on your life and realize that he's right there next to you, but what's keeping you from that? And I think um, that is, that's one of the biggest things that I think I took away from it. That's great. And, and that's so huge, too, by the way, because uh, we've talked about, because we have a church full of singles, of why this series matters to you guys, right? Is because you don't think about being a parent until you are a parent, and so as a result, you react and preparing. And the greatest preparation you can do, it's awesome, spiritual preparation, run to your Heavenly Father. Good. How about you, Andre? Yeah, um, you know, I, I reflected on this and, you know, the question, what is the biggest thing you've learned? And uh, the conclusion I came to was that I, I'd learned a dimension of love that I, I, hadn't, I hadn't experienced before. And I, I was kind of, quite frankly, unaware of, um, you know, the, the, the love I felt for, for each of my kids, um, you know, really was, 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 was different from, you know, other loves I'd experienced. Um, and, and also gave me an insight into, uh, you know, the way my, my earthly father, you know, felt about me. Um, it, it just makes you appreciate your dad a little more and have a little more empathy and sympathy for, for his, uh, you know, his heart for you. And then also, you know, um, you know the Bible uses a lot, of, a lot of analogies for trying to explain how, how God feels about us. And obviously the most common one is, you know, the heavenly father. So that, that, that father-child relationship. And, and, and just to me, that just brought me into a realization of, what, of the way God feels about us that I hadn't really appreciated before. And then going into, you know, even, even further than that is, uh, you know, sacrificing your son uh, for, 
you know, or sacrificing a child for, 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 for other people. And, and, and that's, you know, just something I can't imagine doing. It's, it's, it's a, you know, so that just gave me a, an insight into the depth of God's love for us that, quite frankly, I just hadn't realized or, or felt before. Yeah, it's almost like it hits you full force the minute you hold your first kid. It's like a, almost like a room that you didn't know existed in your heart that was opened up. Yes. Well, as the gray beard, literally, um, so many lessons over the years. Uh, the one that really struck me is that as a father, what you don't realize going in is it's not about you. We often come into it thinking that, you know, we're going to be the Superman dad. We're going to fix everything. Everything's great. What you find is that fatherhood actually puts on display all your faults, your shortcomings, your flaws. And that, as Nancy said last week, one thing you get to learn is how to apologize to your children. So I think, for me, that's just one of the, the, the biggest things you learn. And even though it's really trying and difficult as you learn that, and you learn about yourself, fatherhood is the most rewarding experience I can think of. Next question that I have is, uh, Dave, this is going to be like your full two months experience. I, I'm going to, you're going to have to draw way back on it, all right? Uh, what do you wish, as you're looking back, that you could do differently? What would you do all over again? What, what things would you do or not do, you, you know? Uh, I would have packed clean underwear for the hospital. I uh, would have packed a little differently. Uh, no, but drawing back, looking back uh, differently, I just want to, again, kind of hit the point of the fact Ryan mentioned he read how impactful a father is in his household, in, their, in his children's life, how influential. And, uh, and realizing, looking back on my relationship with God, how many years I missed out on the impact that God had, could have had on my life before my son. How many more lessons could I have learned prior to having my baby boy? Um, and so I think that's, that's what, if I could go back and change anything, I would have just dug deep um, into, into God and into the, into the Word and, um, and just made it just everything to me. Um, yeah, you know, the question, what would I have done differently? There, there are a number of things that I, I you know, could have done better. Um, and, uh, you know, but I, I think the, the, the one that kind of came to mind was really uh, affirmation. Um, and, you know, speaking about John apologizing, my kids are here, you know, apologize to them. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think an affirmation is really, you know, just, uh, you know, really have affirmed them uh, more said more I love you's more often, more frequently, um, at every occasion, said, you know, you're doing a good job, um, saying you're, you're doing, you know, you're good at this, um, and, and really building them up. Um, you know, I think obviously you've got to balance, you know, discipline and instruction with that, but really that, that affirmation. Um, you know, there's, a, there's a, a tribe in Africa in an area where I went to high school called the, the Koza, and, and when you ask them, uh, you, know, how, 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 you know, how tall is your kid? They, you know, as opposed to going like this, like we go in Western culture, they do, they do that, which is really this, you know, indicating that this kid's growing and, and, and you really want to, you know, raise them up. And I think that's, to me, is always a good visual about, you know, I should be, everything I do with my kids, um, you know, keeping that, that visual um, in mind. So um, that's, that's, uh, that's what I'd say. Yeah, 
That's great. And one of the reminders, because dads is, I, at least for me, is reminding I've, that words are powerful. They have impact. And they, they shape us long after they're said. And you know that, we know that, right? Words shape us long after they said. So many of us are living out words that someone said over us, whether it was a coach or whether it was a parent, whether, you know, you'll never measure up to anything and you're trying to prove them wrong or you'll never be or, uh, and that saying, okay, what are the words that I'm saying that are shaping my kids? That's powerful. That's great. I guess what I would do differently is maybe like some of you, I came with the responsibility gene. So I had expectations for my children, how they behave, what they did, how they followed the rules, what went on. And I think what I would do differently is give them more freedom to fail. Give them a little more, fail softly, of course, but give them freedom to fail. Give them freedom to try, not be so careful, not use so closely to the rules. And I think just as our Heavenly Father allows us the freedom, that's what I think we need to do for our children. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Dave. Round three. You ready? Give it to me. All right. <laughs> let me, let me uh, I'm going to th- throw a curveball. You ready? <laughs> it's baseball season. We already clarified that. <laughs> what, what's your greatest joy as a dad? Greatest joy. I'm a very emotional person, so forgive me. Um, my greatest joy is waking up in the morning. He started, Caleb, my son, is starting to learn how to smile. He does that big wide mouth with the little grin and stuff. My greatest joy is waking up in the morning, lying him on his changing table right underneath the window, and we just talk. And he starts making noise, and he makes eye contact with me, and um, we pray together in the morning. Um, and the greatest joy is just the fact that it's despite my failures and my flaws, he has a heavenly father who is going to be everything to him more than I could ever be. Um, yeah, there, there's so many, so many joys in, in, in being a father. Um, but I, I, I think just if, you know, so we've got three kids and just seeing, those three kids, kids, uh, you know, just interact and be kind to each other and support each other, and and um, you know, when we kind of travel as a family unit, um, you know, just those times we have together uh, where we're kind of interacting, and and that's just such a such such a joy to me, and and just watching my kids have fun, uh, you know, it's not that they win at sport or that they're you know they don't necessarily need to be exceptional, it's just that you know watching them do something and they're they're enjoying it and having fun. And, and we're having fun as a family. I think that's probably one of the greatest joys as a dad. Yeah. So my greatest joy with my adult children is just to see them with the values they have, the decisions they make, the relationship they have with Christ. And that really is what brings me the greatest joy. So we'll work our way back since you already have the mic and we'll work our way this way. Um, what is uh, kind of one piece of advice? Uh, it's kind of good, I think, hearing everybody's joy in the midst of that. And so then what's one, one advice you'd go, hey, uh, something I've learned along the way I want to pass on to you? So I think the advice I would pass on is that the only way you can fail as a father is if you fail to give your children the love, the time, the energy that each of 
their unique personalities desire and deserves. So I think what you need to do is step back, examine your priorities, and make sure that you're acting according to those priorities and giving your children that time, love, and affection that they need. And this is a big one for our area, by the way. Uh, and just, I want to cue in that for a second. Thinking about the Silicon Valley, bigger, better, faster, smarter, stronger, whatever it is, you know, this is the culture we live in, and it's always upward mobility. And so family, it's always in the context of providing, of bettering, or, but a lot of times you miss that window of time and uh, of seeing and investing your kids. And, and it's always, I think when you say priorities, it's always going to be a fight when here. It may be a fight elsewhere as well. I, I can't speak to that. We live here. It's always going to be a fight here, adjusting your priorities, evaluating your priorities. So good. Um, yeah, I, you know, I think Ryan in opening kind of mentioned the stats about, you know, having a, a father who is present. And I think there we talk about being, you know, physically present, but also emotionally uh, emotionally present. Um, but I'd like to approach that a bit from the other angle. It's like, you know, from, a, from perhaps a selfish uh, perspective. Um, so I've got a good friend who's, whose dad is, you know, in, in his 80s. Um, and he, his dad tells him that he would give one year's salary for one day with his kids when they were when they were small, so you, you think about that. You know, it's just uh, that, that that is really impacting to me. Is like you know, you you want to be present not just because it's good for your kids, but for yourself because you don't want to get to get to eighty and you know have regrets about you know you missed out and and that. So I think uh, you know just just have fun with your kids, um, make memories with them. You know that they'll look back and you'll look back and you'll think, yeah, those were those were good times. And don't get to don't get to eighty and be saying, hey, I've got all this money. Um, or I've got you know X Y Z, but I'd trade that for you know one day with uh, with my kids when they were when they were small. Um, my advice would be to all you guys who are are longing for families. It's one of the coolest things to hold your newborn, like Ryan said, for the very first time. Um, but before that happens, stop and take a look at how God intended your life to be when it comes to relationships. He intended you, he intended for you to have a relationship with him and he would bring in a significant other in your life and he would teach you lessons in that process. How to be less selfless, selfish, sorry. How to be, yeah, teach you how to be uh, less selfish. And you start learning that through marriage and then you have, you start a family and you realize there's a whole new lesson on how to be less selfish. And so he set this process up for a purpose, for a reason, and each process draws you closer and deeper into him. So, Awesome. You had to anchor it, and you did. You knocked it out. Good job. Hey, before you guys get off, and we're going to thank them, drop the mic. Please don't do that. Um, <laughs> But one of the reasons why I think this is powerful for our community to see the range, so if I was in here, I'd be right here, you know, so Dave's newborn, I got, you know, five, uh, sorry, five, eight, and ten, I don't know, uh, teenagers, and then, then grown and grandfather. One is, I think, one of the best ways for us to grow is to grow together. Uh, and, and I think it's the only way, but knowing that in our church that when you look around a lot of times, you're not sure, is there anyone just ahead of me? 
Well, one, you get to see there's a few people just ahead of you. And, and I would encourage you, and you guys might get a lot more requests, but there's more than just them. These are not only just amazing men, there's amazing women connected to them and amazing families that when I look at how they've done their life and are doing their life, I go, I, I wanna, there's part of that I want to learn from. And that where you can take the person just ahead of you and you look at uh, uh, someone and you go, man, I want to be like them when I grow up. I don't think you ever grow out of that, by the way. And you go, I want to be like them when I grow up or I want a family like them or I want to have, then buy them a cup of coffee, buy them lunch, hang out with them and, and begin to just ask questions. Um, you know, and begin to just go, and you just need to know, we have uh, just, uh, God's brought to our church the span. So you go, hey, who's just ahead of me? That I, you know, some of you single guys, you're talking to future fathers, Dave better get a ton of, uh, you know, emails. He doesn't have any time, so you, you gotta go, hey, you know what, you're awake at 2 a.m., I'll call you at 2 a.m. No, just don't do that. But, huh? <laughs> yeah. So anyways, can we thank them for being here, for sharing? Thank you guys. And you can, yeah. uh, with the last couple minutes of our time, I just simply wanted to share three things that I've learned. One, you've heard me say before, uh, and it's not mine, it's my dad's, and he's speaking next week, and he was here, I don't know if he's still here, uh, so if he's here, uh, he'll, he'll know where this is from. Uh, the second thing is something that uh, is, I feel like uh, God's teaching me as a dad, that, I, that is just really, um, probably the foremost thing in my uh, current context that I feel like God's teaching me. Uh, and then the third is a practice that I've begun to put in place with our family. Uh, and I just am simply calling it lessons that I've learned as a dad, or maybe, you know, the first one's lessons I learned from my dad. And, and the first one is simply this. And you know it, we, we hear it, uh, but it's this, is more is caught than taught. When we're talking about our relationships with our kids, it what you say matters, but what you do matters even more. It, what you say, and we talked about how powerful words are, but the life you live matters because that's what rubs off on them. Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing uh, to the Ephesians, he says, therefore, uh, be imitators of God. That word literally means to mimic or to copy God as dearly loved children. And, and he's given us a picture of how we're to imitate God in the way that uh, happens in every household. Because every kid copies their parents. It is scary when I see my kids have the same mannerisms as me. You know, like when we're watching TV, I'll be on the couch, legs crossed, arms behind, and then I'll see my son walk in and he's got his legs crossed, arms behind. I'm like, what in the world? And they just copy and they pick up all those little things. And I just want to remind us, as dads especially, more is caught than taught. So, so what, 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 what are your kids catching from you? 
I'll tell you what, I, I grew up as a pastor's kid, Santa Cruz, uh, and it was, you know, Santa Cruz is a relatively small town, and we had a big church, and so it felt like lived in a bubble, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, but pastor's kids, uh, for some reason, historically, don't end up really following Jesus that well, and, and part of it is, I think, a number of reasons. One is because there's expectations that shouldn't be placed on a kid about how they should be. And, well, you're the pastor's kids. You should do this, blah, 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 blah. And, and you begin to try to put on this persona. The second thing is oftentimes there's a, a pastor that's publicly preaching something but privately living something else. And my own journey with Jesus uh, is one in which when I hit into my college years, actually I went through a crisis of faith hit a, what I call, a dark night of the soul. One of the reasons I, I look back and go, where I'm at and my love for Jesus and family and all that has to do with what I saw my parents live out and saw my dad live out. See, I didn't, and I'm so excited for you to get to hear him next week. I didn't have a dad who was perfect, and he'll share that, but I had a dad who owned his mistakes, I had a dad who would preach something on Sunday and then live it out on Monday. And you have to understand, for your kids, for my kids, what is passed on to them is way more than what you say. It's how you live. More is caught. They're going to catch what you do. They're going to catch how you treat people. They're going to catch how you serve. They're going to catch how you treat uh, another human being and, and love your spouse. They're going to catch all that, and they're going to mimic. And they're going to begin to respond. And I look back, and I am so thankful. Imperfect. But I had a dad who honestly, simply loved Jesus and didn't put up a fake face. And I just, maybe my one little plea here is for dads, I loved what John said, being Superman. You don't have to be the Superman. Just, just be you. And be real with your kids and talk about what it means to really follow Jesus. Uh, first, more is caught than taught. And that's uh, something that I, I wrestle with. Okay, what are my kids, kids catching from me? What, what is rubbing off on them? The second is what I, I'm currently learning. And it's more uh, what, what I feel like my kids need from me. Maybe what I long to rub off on them. Uh, is that meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is not a word we use a lot, and that's why I actually like it. Uh, meekness isn't weakness. And what I mean by that is uh, in the Bible, you see this word meek uh, over and over. In fact, in the Beatitudes where Jesus is teaching, he'll say, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And then later on, he'll even use that word to describe himself. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, for I am meek and humble of heart. And, and somehow along the way, how we've begun uh, to define manhood is, um, is either just this overbearing, like you got to be the man, you know, you know, anybody, come on, you know, and you got to be the man and, you, and you're overbearing or on the flip side, you're 
passive. You're just, you're just like, well, I'm going to do this, and I did this, and I'm just not a part of that. I don't. And here's what this word meekness means. I love it. Meek literally means strength under control. It's not that you are weak. You know, the New Testament and modern translations start to translate it gentleness. It's not that you're, you're somehow passive, but it's not that you're overbearing either. There is an internal strength that, that has boundaries or controls to it. The picture is of, of, a, of a horse that is strong and fierce and yet has a bit in its mouth, and so it's under control. It's not a wild stallion going everywhere. And I think that's, if I'm honest, that may be just my, where I go, God, that's what I want my kids. Is, is a man of God who follows God, who has this sense of identity and security in him. And so I, I have strength, but it's not just going to just go off. So my kids know that when dad shows up, they know what, who's walking through the door. It's not a different person every day, depending on how the day went. I love how, uh, how one uh, concordance uh, talks about meekness. It says it stems from a trust in God's goodness and control over every situation. So if more is caught than taught, what what I'd say, I long for my kids to catch. Catch me being, (laughs) this is going to sound kind of funny, a meek man. (laughs) I want to be a meek man. That's not a weak man. That is a man who's so confident that God is in control that circumstances don't shift my center off of that. That means that I can respond in a way with gentleness and yet authority. And those two don't conflict. And if we begin to look at manhood through that aspect, when Jesus' own defines it, come to me. And we would say to our kids, come to me. Come to me. You can talk about it. I'm meek. Humble of heart. The more it's caught than taught. Meekness is not weakness. And, then, and here's maybe just the practice. And I've just stumbled upon this really in the Old Testament, but whatever's repeated is remembered. Whatever's repeated. If you look back over the course of your childhood, you remember probably three things. Either the extreme highs, the extreme lows, or whatever was repeated. You know, you, you have these like, wow, that was the best day of my life, and you might remember that, and you have the, that was, wow, that was tragic, that was something that was hard, and, and those things stick out. But in the daily grind, what we remember is what was repeated. And, and what's interesting is if you read the Old Testament, you, you understand God knew that. In fact, uh, whatever, anytime God wanted uh, his people to remember something, he set up these festivals, he set up these feasts, he, he set up these parties, and, and you just look at how he began to design some of these. They were designed with kids in mind to pass on to them uh, the, what mattered most. And so they just began to repeat this 
annually. You had the, the Feast of Passover, a week-long feast to remember how God delivered them out of Egypt. And, and they go through all these things, and the kids are a part of that. And you send one of the oldest to the door to look for Elijah. And, and they got to be a part of the process. And it's all the family coming together. You, you got one. This is so fun. I mean, just think about how God like was designing how this repetition for his kids to remember what's most important. And it's like the Feast of Weeks or the, of Booths, and it's where they would, they would go out and literally camp for a week. I mean, that's what it was. And it was to remind them and remember how God provided in the wilderness. And the question then is, is, is what do you want your kids to remember? When they look back, what are the things that you go, I, I want them to take with them? Whatever's repeated is remembered. And so some simple things just we do in our home, uh, you know, I, I mean, silly stuff like every Saturday we make waffles together. Because I, I enjoy cooking. I want to pass that on. And I love doing that with my kids. And they do it with me. And, you know, now Ella's old enough. She can make waffles all on her own. We do it. It's homemade, by the way. It's no package junk, okay? Okay. Uh, and, 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 you know, we, we, we make that together. We have dinner almost every night of the week together. And my wife started asking three questions. She asked, and these are great questions. She asked, what, what was the best part of your day? And then we go around and hear every kid talk about, and grown-ups, and our kids are starting to get to the age where then they ask, well, Daddy, what was the best part of your day? And then we ask, what, what was the hardest part? And, you know, did, did you get your feelings hurt? Did something happen? And we talk about that. And then my wife asked this third question. I think it's so good because what it helps our kids do is begin to process uh, life. And, be, and it's, what would you do differently? Is there anything that you would change about today? Maybe a response to someone that you wish you could change. Maybe uh, there's a decision you made that you wish you could change. What would you do? And so we just ask those same three questions around the dinner table, and we don't get up until that's done every single time we have dinner. Uh, another repeated thing is that we, uh, every night as we put our kids to bed, we pray for them. It's our time to have a conversation with them and talk about them just on their bed and, and be right there and, and to begin to pray for them. And now our, our kids will make sure like, hey, you know, pray for us. And they always ask, Daddy, because I want, I want our kids to know that that what's repeated is remember that, that you go to God all the time, just not in crisis, but all the time, and you can bring anything to your heavenly Father because what's repeated is remembered. I, I, I remember Jenny talking to one of her friends and talking about bedtime prayer, and here's this you know, 30-something-year-old talking about, I remember the day when my parents stopped praying for me at night. Really? It just stuck out in her head of this thing of like all of a sudden it done. And she said, I'm so missed that. So more's caught than taught. Meekness. It's not weakness. In fact, I think it is the call for us as men. Strength under control. It's a call for all of us, but it's today's Father's Day, so we'll just talk to dads, okay? And then begin to ask, okay, what do I want? What do I want my kids to remember? And then what am I going to put in place? What am I going to repeat? Because whatever's repeated is remembered. 
Man, we are so thrilled. Next week, my dad will be here. He's gonna be teaching. You don't wanna miss it. Uh, Let me pray for us and we'll close. Jesus, thanks for today. Thanks for the dads and then as uh, Dave talked, the future fathers. I just pray that you would just encourage, you would refresh, you would ignite some things in their souls. You would help us imperfectly love our kids the way you love us. In Jesus' name.